Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hello, welcome to Impact the World. And this week, my guest is the wonderful Ainsley McLeod. Ainsley is a past life psychic, a spiritual teacher, and an author, and an award-winning author. His books, The Old Soul's Guidebook and The Instruction, have been influencing many lives over the last 15 or so years. And he has been giving private readings for over 20 years now. So this conversation takes in many different directions. On the one hand, Ainsley shares with us some of his wisdom and knowings about how our life works as a soul and how when we come to this planet and we incarnate, we come in with our soul blueprint and how it creates our personality. But we also talk about the art of giving intuitive readings and the experience of being a reader, especially among your friends and your your local groups and how that goes down for you. So it was a wonderful conversation and Ainsley is just a wonderful soul. So I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And as ever, we put links to all of Ainsley's work in the show notes beneath. So you can find him at ainsleymcleod.com check out the links in the show notes to go to his website. And if you are a fan of what we do here at Impact the World, it would mean the world to us if you would leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts. We're an independent show and that helps us reach more people. So take care and enjoy this episode with Ainsley McLeod. So Ainsley, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Impact the World. Well, delighted to be here. Really looking forward to this. Well, I I think I may have been aware of you some years back when it was probably around the time that you were on Super Soul Sunday because I saw a lot of those shows. Right. Um, and then I also, it was India Ari who was on the show and highly recommended you to be on the show. So when I got to book you to come on the show, I also decided to treat myself to one of your private sessions, which was fantastic. And we did it, um, I think it was a couple of months ago now. Right. Um, but I'm always struck how different we all are as readers. So because I gave readings for 14 years myself, I love getting readings from other people and I'm always curious about the style. And my experience with the session with you was fascinating because I felt like you were going off up the ladder of the library to look in a book and then you'd come back and give me this information. <laughs> I really had that vision of you. I'm like, oh wow, he's a he's the the you know the consciousness librarian and you were coming back giving me fascinating information about various past lives I'd had. So so I thought maybe I would start with the readings. How long have you been giving your your soul readings? Well I started uh I mean, I had a couple of epiphanies that got me into this work. You know, I kept hearing from psychics that I should be doing it and uh, didn't for the longest time know how to even even begin. Um, so it, it was probably just over 20 years ago, uh, 22, 23 years ago, that I started um, 
just communicating with the other side. Initially, a spirit guide um, who had been my uncle in this life. And uh, so I started working with him and, and it took me about three years before I read anybody. And it was to really to do with one of my past life issues, which was a big fear of getting things wrong and then people not liking me and losing my career, you know, something along those lines. So I just practiced, practiced, practiced um, to the point where the spirit world is kind of, you know, they're beginning to get fed up and, you know, when are we going to take this out into the world? And uh, so I just started reading um, for friends and family uh, and then just kind of built from there. It's like anything. I think, you know, a lot of people who do this work would find that it's, it's just word of mouth. You know, one person has a good session, they tell their friends. And uh, it's, you know, it, just, it was a gradual sort of thing. Uh, of course, being interviewed by somebody like Oprah, that really, you know, does help to, you know, give a boost uh, to your career. Um, but it's something that I, I when, when I started, I didn't know what kind of a psychic I was going to be. Um, all I knew was like, well, I'm getting from the other side is that, yeah, you're meant to be a psychic. You're meant to be working with people, but what the hell am I supposed to be doing? And we we actually, I explored with my spirit guides trying to do things like uh, finding missing objects, for example. Um, but we both agreed it was actually a little bit boring. You know, okay, I could do it, but it was like, yeah, so what? Um, I helped uh, find two missing people, but they weren't really missing. They were you know, kids who just run off and they'd be back the next day or something similar. And uh, I also then thought, well, I, I really don't want to be in the business of finding missing people. What if somebody turns up dead and, or what if I get, get it wrong? I don't know. It's just the whole thing. It's like, it's just not something I was comfortable with doing. But what had always fascinated me was human behavior. Why the hell are we such strange creatures? Why do you get that diversity um, even when I was a, a very little kid, this one of my sort of earlier memories was growing up in Scotland, watching the news and seeing um, what was going on with civil rights um, in the early 60s in the States. And even then kind of wondering, what is wrong with these people? Should we send them books or something to, to help educate them? And then as I got older, I realized, well, it's not a question of education. Um, or even intelligence, you know, why do you get somebody who is, you know, uh, died in the wool kind of right-wing gun-toting, um, immigrant-hating, um, uh, misogynist or whatever, and you get somebody else who's a peace-loving Buddhist and, you know, why such diversity? And that, that was almost a sort of mystery to me, you know, what is it makes us? Uh, the way we are. Somebody actually pointed out, I was just thinking about this the other day, <laughs> it was long before I started doing this work and I was still living in, in London. And they said, do you notice that every time you talk about somebody or somebody says something, you immediately go to, why would they do that? Why would they say that? So we're always trying to like uh, analyze it. And so with the spirit guides, it we eventually settled on, you know, just really expanding on what was interesting me already, which is, you know, what makes people the way they are. The, the big thing that kept coming up when I started reading people's past lives, 
And, uh, you know, even I, I remember one person saying, I don't want to hear about my past lives. I'm only interested in this life. And within 10 minutes, we're on to a past life because you can't explain this life without understanding the past. And that, that over the years has become a very big part of what I do. Understanding uh, what happened in past lives to make you who you are or to explain what you're working on or you're, you're trying to heal in this life, karma and, and so on. And, and uh, the longer I've been doing this, the more, the more I, I say this all the time, that you can never understand who you are if you don't know who you were. And that past lives really do explain everything. In fact, um, even to be more bold, I actually have a feeling that I don't think there's any um, therapeutic modality or um, psychological modality, if you like, uh, that will last long term, I mean, by this I mean maybe, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred years, I don't think any one of them will last unless they take into account past lives. Because I think it's the, it's the one part that explains everything that, you know, other modalities can't, uh, can't cover. Um, I mean, all sorts of things like, you know, our fears, our quirks and idiosyncrasies, but also physical ailments, all sorts of things are, are connected to past lives. You know, we, we come into this world like kind of fully loaded computers. All this stuff in there, all the memories of past lives, they're all in there. And all the, the stuff that the soul wants to work on, the relationships that you're supposed to have, the people you're supposed to meet, everything's in the life plan. So what I just ended up doing is, is really looking at people's life plans, who you are, why you're here, and then looking at the past lives to clear out the blocks to helping you move forward that's that's it in a nutshell i guess yeah well it's interesting because i you know i remember i mean there were various things you said to me but one of the things you said that made sense of my childhood to me <clears throat> you said that i'd had a past life where um and i can't remember i'd have to listen to the recording but you i this was either metaphoric or it was literal you said you were like a highly expressive italian child oh, yes yes who had been dropped off in norway that was literal. Right. That, that, that cracked me up because the, the way the spirit guides expressed that. But I actually have in my notes, uh, hold on, I got it right here. Um, yes, they said that you had a life in Lillehammer in, in Norway. And this, they said this came immediately after a life in Italy. And, you know, there's such a cultural difference. You know, between Norwegians and Italians, you can imagine Italians are so expressive and Norwegians maybe not so much. And uh, the, the note I have here is that the spirit guides say you became the most expressive child in Norway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, that uh, cracked me up. That's... Well, it made sense to me because I'd had a thing about Norway all my life and I didn't get there until I think it was either 2010 or 2011 was the first time. Mm. I had this feeling that Norway was a home. Did you feel, did it feel familiar when you went there? Very much. And yeah. I love the people that I know who are Norwegian. But the thing that really hit me in reflection to that point that you made is I think a lot of my trouble as a kid was feeling like the world was not expressive enough, particularly when it came mm. to emotions. And so, you know, the one area I was kind of safe as a child was in creative expression and expression. Mm -hmm. But then I was also unsafe in, in, in my experience. So I, it was so interesting because what it did was it just kind of made me go, oh, wow, that, that was kind of 
the imprint I was working with as a kid, and it, it definitely clarified it for me. Good, good. Yeah, it's amazing how how these things explain so much. You know, the way you were for for years. Um, it, and also, you know, we we have these places that are spiritual homes, places that we've been to multiple times over our many incarnations. So people are often drawn to certain places. Uh, sometimes you can get very negative uh, feelings about a place if you've had a very challenging past life there. Other times it's why people have such a connection. You know, they feel so um, at home in certain places. And that's just really because they've had many, many lifetimes there. They're just, there's a familiarity. And, and equally, you get that with people. So, you know, you meet someone who you've been all the kinds of roles to over many yeah. lifetimes. And there's that instant, oh my God, you know, the, the compatibility is so high. Just a comfort. Uh, yeah. Often, you know, people ask me, well, how do I know if I've met a soulmate? Generally, there's a, f a feeling of familiarity. Like I've known you before. Mm -hmm. And it's not always uh, positive. I mean, you can have, you can be working off some pretty negative things with somebody karmic. You know, karma needs to be balanced. Um, you'll see it in relationships where uh, a typical thing might be where um, one of the souls has let the other one down in a past life. Let's say they were business partners and this one stole all the money and somehow then karmically they need to, to uh, balance that. So it might be that they come into this life to be the, the spouse who will kind of work hard and help the other one to maybe go to college or to follow their path without having to worry all the time about survival issues. So it's, a, it's like, you know, you've had a negative impact on them in the past, so you'd want to have a positive impact in this life. But when somebody has betrayed you in a past life, you could have that feeling like, I love you, but I don't totally trust you. You know, it's a push and pull when there's, there, often when there's karma. Yeah, a lot of relationships are karmic, and uh, and I've heard a lot of clients use that sort of term. Like, yeah, I, oh, I love him, but uh, oh, he drives me crazy, or something <laughs> that kind of thing. Sounds like a lot of sounds like a lot of <laughs> couples I know, particularly couples that I grew up around or my own my own parents, you know. Right. Um, so I'm curious, Ainsley. You know, you mentioned 22 something years ago. How did you make connection with your guides? How, how did that happen? What did that look like? What was that like for you? Well, the story I always tell that led up to it was uh, I took a trip to Hawaii. I was, I'd moved from, well, I'd moved gradually from the UK to New York, then Atlanta, and I, I uh, ended up in uh, the Bay Area. And uh, from there, I took a trip to Hawaii. And I was actually wandering around a bookstore there and ran into my deceased uncle. Um, it was very, very brief, but it was it, it was probably the most profound experience I've had in my life. For for about a second, he was there, 18 inches away from my right right side, and with a very clear message about wanting to work together. So, and I'd kept hearing from from psychics that uh, you know I I should be you know I, well. I should be working as a psychic, but also that my uncle, um, his name is John, so they'd say, oh, your, your uncle John's a spirit guide, he wants to work with you. And I kind of go, yeah, everybody's got a, an uncle John, you know, it's like, it's, you know. Well, and I'm curious to ask you, so you were going to psychics as, as, uh, yeah, as that, your life? That was a weird thing that 
you know, I decided, I declared, you know, when I was about 12 or something, I, that I was an atheist. Um, I just had no time for, you know, this woo-woo stuff or, or whatever. And I was certainly very turned off um, by, you know, traditional religion or tr churches particularly, um, which is past life as well for a lot of people. Um, but it... <laughs> I, I was holding two thoughts, classic cognitive dissonance. I'm an atheist, but fascinated with psychics. I actually went to see my first psychic, this lovely little old lady, Bettina, uh, little woman in, in London. She, she was absolutely brilliant. I went to see her the first time to debunk her. You know, somebody said, oh, you know, talk to this person. I'm going, yeah, right. But even then, why would I be, want to go? I think there was a part of me really wanted to believe. And so... I came out of my first session with her with, uh, this is where I got the white hair from. It's like shock, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like a feeling of, wow, um, you know, how the hell can, can somebody do that? You know, how, how do they, they know these things? So after my uncle said that he wanted to work with me, I, uh, I just gave it a try, just sitting there and kind of going, okay, John, are you, are you there? And it was like, you know, the weirdest thing, but I found that I could communicate very slowly. I mean, it was like, talk about a learned skill. Um, I'm always a little bit suspicious of um, psychics who shoot from the hip, you know. Um, for me, it's like, you know, even now, well, you you know, you said it's like the, the archivist going, going and picking a book out. And, you know, what I have to do is I have to, um, um, you know, talk to my client, get the question, maybe f rephrase it or form it in a way that the spirit guides will would like, you know, to make sure it's not ambiguous or whatever, and then get an answer. It's all in real time, and then pass it on to the client. So it's it's pretty stop-start, but um, that's ju that just happens to be the, the, the way that I work. So it took me quite a while of just really practicing every available moment, just talking. My, my uncle, in fact, he passed me on to group of other spirit guides very quickly. I mean, we only really talked a, a couple of times and then he passed me on to these other ones and uh, and I've been working with them since. They morph and change, but, you know, essentially the same group. And uh, I just found that just it's the, it's the daily practice. It's like anything else, you know, you do your 10,000 hours or whatever and you, you start to get uh, fairly good at it, you know, just... Um, just a practice. You develop a shorthand. Um, you know, my spirit guides will sometimes give me like a single word, which I know is, it's, it then takes me a thousand words to describe. But rather than them, if it's something that comes up frequently, they don't want to have to sort of explain the whole thing to me, you know, in, in a thousand words, if they can just say, yes, there's one word and it's, you know, same thing we've talked about before applied to this person. And it's, it's, a, it's a shorthand kind of uh, way of doing it. And then the way they communicate with me is, you know, there's a vocabulary that we've developed, you know, over, over the years, which again would just speed things up. They also, you know, one of the things that really helped was, you know, I didn't know what kind of psychic I was going to be, but when they gave me the instruction, which is the title of my first book, uh, the, and the instruction is just a method of, it's a way to look at your life plan and figure out who you are and why you're here. But once they gave me that, then that really became the framework 
in a, in, a, in a session, as you know, with, you know, having worked with me, I'd, I usually start by just taking, well, first of all, I start with observations from the spirit guides. I usually find a past life before talking to somebody for the first time because it, it helps to break the ice and, yeah. you know, um, give me an idea of what's coming up. So I usually just spend a few few minutes. I'd, I'd always spend like 10 minutes just getting in the zone before a session anyway and finding a past life is part of that. And then very quickly, we, we would look at who you are and why you're here. We'll look at the age of your soul. We'll look at the personality you've chosen for this life. Because all of that, uh, your personality is chosen before you come here, which is why I always say people who think that babies are born as blank slates have obviously never met one. Mm. You know, we really do come, so true. like I say, fully loaded computers. And uh, so it's all it's figuring all, all of that out. So was there a period for you, as I think there is for many of us, whether you end up being an intuitive reader or whether you're just more open with your community about your spirituality or your intuition, was there that period for you of, oh, how do I explain this to the people I know in my life who are also skeptical? Or were you kind of okay with that? Story of my life. You know, it's like a, <laughs> That was a challenge. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I, so I'm from Scotland and, you know, my people are fairly pragmatic. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sure. why I ended up in, you know, in the West Coast doing the work that I do. I don't think I'd have had the same career if I'd stayed in Scotland. Um, so my first thing was, you know, when I first found that I could do this, and especially because I was connecting with a family member, I, I wanted my parents to know, you know, I've talked to John and, uh, you know, and it's kind of like, um, you know, my mother would, she was not, not somebody who would hide her, her feelings about something. And I would, I would sit her down and I'd go, please just don't roll your eyes backwards like you do. It's like, let me talk. Uh, but even then it was like, oh, you know, and, and always, like, how do you know it's not just your imagination? And someone, well, you know, um, so, um, you know, I realized after a while, they were never, uh, you know, my, my family was never going to embrace my, my calling, you know, and, um, they just found it very weird. Uh, and, and in fact, they were most worried that the minister would find out what I did for a living. <laughs> that was always the thing. Wow. Um, i had been an illustrator for years. And uh, so my family would still pretend that I was illustrating. When people say, you know, how's your son? Oh, yeah, he's doing very well, still illustrating. I haven't done it for 10, 20 years or whatever, you know. But it was, um, they were very embarrassed about me being a psychic. And... Uh, uh, I tell the story about um, uh, coming out of the closet, as it were, as a psychic to my brother. We're in a pub in Aberdeen uh, in Scotland. Um, we've been going to the pub for, for years. We're standing at the bar, and uh, I said to my brother, um, I said, I'm giving up my career as an illustrator to, um, to become a psychic. And he looks at me, with his pint glass just just up to his mouth, he just freezes, and totally unemotionally, he just says to me, "So, what's your website then? Barkingfuckingmad.com." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went, "Okay, well, not my. <laughs> I think the conversation's over there." Uh, a lot of a lot of times when I would explain what I did, people would switch off. You know, it's just like, "Oh, really? This is just too weird." You know, so I, I just kind of. Um, one thing I learned very early on is not to proselytize, not to try to convince anybody. When I talk about my work, it's I can give you example after example. I can give you stories, but 
I don't care whether you believe it or not. It really doesn't. It, it certainly doesn't at this point affect me or bother me one way or, or the other. If, you know, if you're not interested, you're not interested. I'm not, not going to you know, push it down your throat. So, um, but it was kind of funny that um, because of this, you know, uh, in, almost like embarrassment about what what I did, you know, I'd always been considered, you know, in my family to be the sort of odd one out, you know, like the, the sort of, you know, weird, um, touchy-feely one, you know, like I, I, I was the one who'd be talking about emotions when everyone else is rather uncomfortable with it. Um, you know, I, I really was the first person, I think, to be interviewed by Oprah uh, where the family didn't tell anybody. It was like trying to, right. you know, trying to keep it really quiet. You know, it's like hope nobody found out. And, uh, you know, so it, it bothered me when I, you know, first started that sort of lack of acceptance, lack of encouragement. Um, but after a while, it's just, well, I'm not going to give up what I'm doing. You know, it's like immensely satisfying. And if people don't get it, that's, that's just too bad. You know, it's only so much I can do. And I'm, like I say, I'm not going to force it on anyone. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting because I, you know, I, I remember very clearly for myself, there was a way that I would answer that, converse, that, that question in conversation. I kind of developed a you know, like a one-line answer, which is, you know, oh, I, I work in spirituality and self-development. And that was it. And you'd either see people go, mm, and they weren't interested and they'd move on, or you'd see people slightly light up because they knew what you were talking about. Then they'd ask me another question, then I'd give them a bit more. That was how I learned to do it after some awkward exchanges. But I also remember very specifically, I I'd probably three or four years into doing readings at this point. So it, it was kind of my main job, but I took one theater job of directing something that I was asked to do by a friend and I thought it'd be fun. And so I did that while I was doing the work and a couple of the cast members found out, I gave one of them a reading. She had a really powerful experience. So it went round the, and I remember one night in the bar, one guy being quite combative with me uh, because he said, so tell me about, tell me about this. You, you've got guides. And, uh, and I just said, oh, it's all on the website. You can go and look at it there. And I remember him going, I don't want to hear it from the website. I want to hear it from you. And I just said, it's nighttime. We've had a really long day. I'm sorry, I'm not interested. You know, I said, I'm, I'm, you know, feel free to look at the website and then we can have a conversation. But he was so combative. And it was that kind of, you know, I'll take you on thing. And I thought, I'm not, I, I'm not here to play this game. Luckily, I was yeah. <laughs> enough years into it at that point that I... I think if it had been a few years earlier, I probably would have been a bit more pulled around by him. So it's yes. a, an interesting thing. I think it's a good, it's good to know. Well, it's, it's it's really sort of basic boundary setting in a way as well. I have found that, um, you know, that thing where you, you just throw out a, a couple of words and some people respond, uh, they, they pick up on it, you know, the word spiritual or psychic or whatever. And, you know, a certain person will hear that and go, okay, you know, like I want to talk, um, and other people where you you tell them what you do, and it's just they don't even have a follow up question. It's just kind of mm, okay. I was I used to be very embarrassed about what I did, you know, um, because they're you know psychics don't have the greatest reputation, or you know it's like there was a a book I came across one time. It had a I think it's like a book of lists or something. The, the sleaziest ways to make a living. Uh, being a psychic came 
just, it was almost last, it was below um, prostitution and just above being a, a mafia boss. And <laughs> I thought, well, that's how it's perceived by certain people. Um, so I, when I first started doing it, I was trying to find different ways of describing myself, but nobody knew what the heck it meant, you know, sort of, you know, I was trying to, you know, um, intuitive channel or whatever, like, what, you know? And, it, and I had this experience where I was at a party and the, the host's father, was, who was very deaf, asked me what I did for a living. And when people asked me that, I would just kind of usually go very quietly, I'm a psychic. And, uh, you know, kind of hope nobody heard, you know, because I was really quite embarrassed. And uh, so I go, uh, I'm a psychic. And he doesn't hear me. And he goes, you're a psychiatrist? I'm going, uh, no, psychic. He's going, psychologist? I'm going, no, psychic. And then everybody in the party is looking around. And I'm kind of going, you know what? The world didn't end. Everybody knows I'm a psychic. And, uh, and, and then I, I just sort of embraced it from there on. I thought, oh, what the hell, you know, there's there's not really a better way of describing what I do, you know, let me past life psychic, of course, narrows it down a little bit. But um, once I kind of got over that, it, it made a big difference because it was, a, I think initially, it's a feeling of having one food in, one food out. You know, I was still worried about what people might say or think about me. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, just experiences like that really helped me. Uh, and it, it's, as weird as it sounds, my, my kids bought me um, personalized plates for my car. It reads P5YCH1C, which is psychic. Um, looks wow. like psychic in capital letters. And, uh, you know, when when they presented with me, <laughs> to me, it was a birthday present. I'm going, oh, thanks, kids. I was like, oh, God. Um, you know, totally I'm the in, same, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my... My my red midlife crisis sporty hatchback with these matching <laughs> plates, and I've got God, how to look like a pretentious, whatever you know. It's like oh, and and absolutely drawing the cops in. Come on, you know, <laughs> silver hair guy, red car, personalized plates. Yeah, I didn't it's think like I <laughs> just just put the cuffs on, you know. But you yeah. make you make a good point. It's funny. One of the things I've always been grateful. To, I mean, there are many reasons I'm grateful for the work I do, and it's not anything I pictured for myself 20 years ago, but especially coming from England myself, whereas we know part of the culture that we were raised in, and maybe it's different now, but you know, mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up, judgment and uh, mm -hmm. don't stand out, worry oh, yeah. about what the neighbors think. So in a weird way, because I was very like you for many, many years, and I've got more comfortable with it now. And I also just don't talk about it that much unless someone asks me or unless someone knows what I do. And I think that's common for all of us. You know, we, we're often with our friend, the plumber, but we're not necessarily talking to them about what they're doing, you know, that day with sinks, toilets, and make, making a house work. Um, but but I, I, I did wonder for you, have you noticed a shift over the last 20 years of doing readings, because I certainly have noticed, and they predicted this, just a little more comfort for people around accessing their own spirit, the idea of intuition being a real thing, and it's no longer just for a few people to have access to. It's something that's becoming a little more normalized than it was 20 years ago. And I think that's, that's, that's totally been my experience. So yeah, in the time that I've been doing it, I think it has become more normalized. I think, um, well, people like Oprah have made a, a huge difference, you know, in, in terms of getting this stuff more more into the mainstream. 
But it is also part of the shift in consciousness that's going on right now. You know, this transformation was actually the title of my second book. And the transformation is a shift in consciousness that's um, really taking our species to, to another level. If you look at the way the world is, the spirit guides I work with, well, they often say that the world was never meant to be the way it is. And, um, you know, we've, we've screwed up pretty badly and it, it needs to be fixed. And in part, this shift in consciousness, the, well, the hope is that it would be something of a rescue mission. And, uh, you know, we, we need a lot more uh, equality, recognition that we're all souls, we're all deserving of, you know, good, good stuff in life and, and so on. And I think more and more people that I'm talking to are, are open to this stuff. Um, I mean, I, I just think there's a greater awareness and I think a shift away from how things have been. You know, again, that sort of recognition that there's something going on. You know, you feel it inside that, uh, you know, I, you're not the same as your parents or you, you've got a greater level of um, awareness, you know, spiritual awareness, if you like. I think along with a, a greater awareness that spirituality and religion are not the same thing. And I think that's helped because there's a lot more material out there like, um, you know, spiritual type uh, books and, and so on. You've got, you know, I mean, loads of stuff on YouTube or wherever. We're exposed to much more uh, now than I think we were before. And a lot of people had, if they were had a, a spiritual bent, they're probably going to have to express it through religion in some way. It was like the sort of go-to thing. Whereas now I think it is the, the, the you know, you can have the two together, but the recognition, it, it, greater awareness that they are not the same thing. And a lot more, you know, I work with older souls, of course, like you would have. And these are people who would generally describe themselves as more spiritual rather than just religious. Yeah. It's part of the journey really to get to that point. So in a way, there's not been a better time. I think it will continue to get better for people who are on the spiritual path. Uh, but it's a, a, there's a big difference between, if you look at the amount of material that's out there now compared to 20 years ago or 40 years ago, you know, it's, 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 it's huge. really, really different. And yeah. the level of accessibility, but also diversity, which is great. Mm -hmm. There, there yeah. are many different ways that people connect to it. Like I remember a friend once said to me, um, they said, oh, you're going to really like this person because they're spiritual. And I met them and I was like, we couldn't have been more different. And there was nothing, you know, there was nothing bad between us, but we, we weren't, we weren't going to click. And it wasn't it, just this assumption that spiritual is a thing in much the same way that I think people's skepticism of psychics or intuitives. The one thing that for me has always underscored that work, both in the work I do and in the kind of readers I like to go to, like yourself, is whoever is doing it has to, for me, has to understand it's a therapeutic art. Mm -hmm. Not about proving that you're, a, if, if you're there to prove that you're a psychic, you're in trouble and so is your client. But yeah. if you're there to be a facilitator of psychic intuitive information for the good and the benefit and the positive transformation of the person you're working with, and that you can hold all of that and be that bridge, then we're really getting somewhere with it because you're inviting someone else into their own energetic intuitive field rather than saying, I'm the important one who knows all this stuff about you and you can just sit back and be wowed. 
Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, I I think it's such an important thing to to take the ego out of it. That was that was really the, I mean, not so much the getting the ego out of it, but for me, when I first started reading people, it was to get rid of any expectations that I had myself. Um, it is simply to be a conduit for information from the other side. Uh, but of course, it you know, my talent, if you like, is being able to tap into that and interpret what I what I get as well. And uh, you know, especially when it comes to past lives, you know, you look at a past life, I can make any number of connections because I've been doing it so long. I see how these things will always show up. Um, so, uh, where was I going with that? Where? How did we go on to that one? <laughs> we, we were talking about the therapeutic nature. Yes. Yeah. You were talking about being able to make the connections quickly. Yeah, you... I th- yeah, I think keeping keeping the ego out of it, you know, because you do get the... the. I've had that. I even had it with somebody once called me up, you know, it was 10 years ago, and, and they said, before we get started, tell me what color my shoes are in the closet. Oh. <laughs> no way. Well, that's the spirit, guys. It's not my job to do that. I, I talked to the spirit guys. They said, we're not going to... We are not going to be tested. This is not going to happen. Well, she goes, well, how do I know you're any good? Well, you know, I have a money back guarantee. I mean, like, you know, I'm pleased to say that it's been years since anybody's asked for the money back. But it's available there. If you don't like the session, then happily refund the money. But I'm not going to I mean, tell you what color your, your boots are in the in the closet. It's just... That is so, that is kind of the point. And I think that's, so the, I, what, I'm, what I've learned now is that there is some idea that a psychic is a person who can tap into information and prove to you they can. And that's where we miss the point. Because yes. any psychic session that you go to is two of you. And, and actually all the psychic is doing is tapping into realms around you that, that, that are available because you're on a soul level giving permission to help you remember and reaccess. So it's not this magic trick that I think is often the way that people in the judgment camp or the suspicion camp or the just the separation camp, that's the story that I think is running for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people think because you're psychic, you can, you should be somehow, um, there was somebody years ago um, at the end of a session, I will say at the beginning of a session, well, tell me what the main things you want to, are you want to cover just to avoid disappointment. And this this guy said at the end of the session, well, I'm pissed off because, uh, you know, you didn't mention my daughter. And I'm going, well, you didn't ask me about your daughter. Well, you're a psychic. You should have picked up on it. It's like, it doesn't work like that, you know. It's like, well, I'm supposed to somehow have every bit of information about your life coming in there and filtering through. I'd go crazy if that was happening. You, you know, it's like you're, you're responding to questions. You're, you know, you're... It's a, it's, a, it's a much narrower focus for most people. You know, like I say, for me, it's, you know, it's life purpose. But, you know, I, I don't do the fortune teller thing. That's another thing, you know, at, joking about this the other day, but years ago, 23-year-old girl said, said to me, um, she'd just broken up with her boyfriend. And she said, uh, will I ever meet anyone again? And I'm, I mean, I mean, and I'm going, whatever? You know, will I ever meet anyone <laughs> I'm going like, you know, at the point I'm like, you know, pushing 60 and she's like, you know, just left her 20s. I'm going, I think you'll be okay. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, but I don't do the fortune teller. I'm not, you know, not, you know, I mean, of course we touch on life, the future and so on, but 
I do try. What I have found that really helped, uh, especially in, in the early days, was uh, to be very clear, like on my website, you know, this is what I do. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I don't do th this, that, and the next thing to, to really sort of make sure that, um, you know, there's no, no disappointment there. Also, at the beginning of every session, I probably said it to you, because the, the guides will always say this, it's a discussion, not a lecture. So it's really a collaborative thing. It's, it's you, me, and the spirit guides uh, figuring things out. And I think it's much more, what I do is probably much more like intuitive coaching, if you like. There's, mm -hmm. there's a huge coaching aspect to it. You know, helping people with their businesses or, you know, whatever, or getting out of relationships and moving on or whatever. Um, there's, there's a very strong coaching aspect to it. Well, and this feels like a good point to bring in maybe that, you know, for anyone watching or listening to this show, um, and you either are already a reader or a, an intuitive coach or a psychic or, you know, whatever your name is for yourself, or you're thinking about it, you know, one of the things that I've loved watching over the years is watching the rise of more and more people stepping into this work. And you know, the, the, I think that's also one of the reasons I, this show exists, because I, I felt like it would, it would be useful information to hear about everyone's journey for someone who's going into it. But I, 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 just in the last like month or so, a couple of people from my past who I don't know very intimately still, but I'm, you know, I'm still kind of loosely in touch with them. They've started be becoming readers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's great because I'm like, this is brilliant because 10 years ago, uh, both of them were coming to me and going to all kinds of workshops and things, but now they're, they're kind of emerging. And, and um, so I love seeing that. And, and I, what I believe about that is that the energy multiplies and we share it. So we all, in much the same way that people helped me learn that I was intuitive when I was defensive against it, didn't believe it, thought I wasn't special enough because I still had this idea that only special people did that. And mm -hmm. not many figures out there in the world were were holding a, a different energy around that. I noticed, you know, that this, like any area of humanity, there can be ego and power tripping in mm -hmm. this field, just like there can in any job. Mm -hmm. But um, I love seeing that beginning to emerge and that level of facilitation, coaching coming through for people and equally for people who are not doing it as a job, but they're just being a little bolder with what they're feeling intuitively in their conversations with their families and their loved ones. Right. We need that. We need you that. know, we need that I, I, I do say this the same, that we need more people like this. These, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, when this transformation is happening, the, the, those who are sort of on the sharp end, you know, like really forging new ground, are the intuitives and healers and um, people like that. These um, often spiritualist soul types, they're, well, I believe you're one, you know, and there's, a, there's an interest in spirituality. That's partly what you're here to express and understand. And it's a way to do it and help other people at the same time. Uh, a lot of the people I work with um, have in their soul's life plan, they have something that's called a desire for immortality, which you have which is the part of you that wants to do something that has a creates a ripple effect or does something that lasts beyond, beyond your time here. And I'm seeing a lot more people getting into alternative healing, um, you know, including reading uh, people to fulfill that, that very profound need for, uh, to make a difference, uh, mm -hmm. to, to 
to feel like it, it's not just like a higher purpose, but something really kind of bigger than yourself. Mm. And I, I, I really do feel like, I mean, I, I truly believe that maybe it'll be 100 years, 200 years from now, but we will go to the doctor's office and there will be a psychic there to help you with the, the, with the intuitive stuff, the, 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 the deep-rooted causes of your ailment or why you're, you're holding that, whatever it is in your lungs or, or whatever. Um, I, th I really do think it's the, the sort of big missing piece. And I've actually found, I mean, like, um, I have a lot of healer clients, a lot of doctor clients who send people my way to, to you know, figure out the, the, the spiritual relation to their, the problem, especially if you've got patterns or, you know, things that keep coming up uh, for you. That's, that's always a sign it's a past life issue. And sometimes people, people don't get better physically because they, they haven't worked through the underlying cause. And that I think will be, yeah, let's say 200 years, hopefully, every doctor's office will have somebody trained to, to do past life work. Yes, and let's hope it's not a robot. That was... Oh, oh my God, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> then we know we didn't, then we know we didn't quite make the transformation. The transformation didn't happen. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but you know, I've also found that a, um, a lot of body workers talk to me about getting um, images coming to them when they're working on people. And... Um, this seems to be happening more and more. Again, I think it's part of the transformation. People talking about, yeah, I'll be doing like craniosacral on somebody and then I get all this past life stuff. What do I do with it? And what I always say is that if you are getting something about someone else, it's for a reason. It's not just, not just happening. It's, it's because there's something they need to hear, you know, to be reminded. Because so often the healing comes from just reminding your soul that whatever it is that's that it's holding on to is just from a past life issue. Mm. And so I encourage them, to, you know, if you feel uncomfortable about it, say to the person, you know, I'm getting some past life stuff coming up here or whatever you're intuitively feeling and ask them if they're interested. You know, it's uh, always put the ball in their court, you know, so, you know, don't just suddenly, you know, come out with stuff they may, they may not want to hear. But if you say to them, well, you know, do, do you want to hear it? And they do, then you know, you got uh, permission. But I see more and more people talking about that all the time. I think that will be, you know, I th again, I think that will be something that will become more sort of understood or uh, even expected. I mean, I think, you know, it doesn't surprise a lot of people now if they go to their massage therapist and then the person saying, I'm picking up on this or intuitively I'm getting that. Yeah, and I have I have a growing number of friends in my life who who either you know have had immune issues or need to go to you know uh, specialist doctors for certain things, who will report back to me. Oh, I found the right doctor because she's also intuitive, and we talked yeah. about that. So I love how that's just beginning. It's just beginning to take place, which again is the importance of when you can and when you're comfortable to do it, and you're in a place where you can. Just own your truth and and speak your truth, not in a way to again convince anybody else or whack them over the head with what you're getting, but mm -hmm. instead just to to have it be if it's part of your life, where and how can it be part of the rooms that you're in and walking into and the conversations you're having because it is through that osmosis process that we all activate intuition being a more normal part of our life. Yes, I mean I found that uh, for example I was talking to a couple of friends. Uh, a few days ago, and they're not at all interested in the 
this stuff. Uh, they just think what I do is just, well, they don't, don't understand it. Then I can't even go there. Uh, but I just found myself, I had a couple of interesting stories from a you know, client session. And I just told them, I, I, okay, so I, I mean, they just sort of sit there stony-faced, not, not knowing what to make of it. But there's no reason why I shouldn't, shouldn't talk about it. It seems like, you know, that it's important to me. But also, I think it is important to share these things, although like I, I think you need to choose your audience. But, you know, I don't think you do any, I don't think it does anybody any favors if you censor yourself and you don't say something. Because oh, the, oh, maybe they're not open to it. So I, I, you know, I'll suppress myself. You know, I won't, I won't say anything. I once had a this weirdest damn thing um, Christmas in England with uh, there were in-laws at, at the time. Uh, and long story short, there was a couple of people staying there, like uh, I think a step stepdad and a stepmom or something, um, and. You know, I've never met these people before, but the the daughter had said, you know, as long as you're here, please don't talk about your spiritual stuff. Nobody's interested in it. And uh, and it was actually Boxing Day, you know, they, for, for those who don't know, Boxing Day, day after Christmas. Yeah. And we're no sitting... that here in America, because I, I, I often say that. And right. Like, huh? And I'm like... Know, what's he talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, two nations divided by common language, I think Winston <laughs> Churchill said. Um so we're sitting there, it's like, you know, middle of the afternoon, all the sort of conversation has kind of run out. And uh, there's just me and these two people. And I just got up and I said, uh, I'm just going to take a little break. I, I'm just going to do, uh, I'm just going to do a little channeling. You know, it's like one of those sort of keywords you put out and see what the reaction is. And there was a sudden thing where, is a channeling? What kind of channeling? And I said, oh, I just talked to spirit guides. And, and the guy says to me, you know, my, uh, my wife, she's a medium and I'm, I'm an intuitive healer. Wow. And, but we were told not to talk about it. <laughs> I said, yeah, I was told not to talk about it either. And it was suddenly, you know, the floodgates open and well, what kind of work do you do? And, well, you know, tell us about it. It was, uh, you know, and, and what did, you know, I've had a lot of experiences where you, you know, where you would think somebody would be, you know, they would not be interested. I was at, actually, it was my father's funeral in Scotland. And, uh, you know, talking about how family is always like, oh, we just tell everybody you're still an illustrator. Don't, you know, don't tell them otherwise. Well, this old geezer comes up to me, old family friend, and, uh, and he, he says to me, <laughs> Um, I hear you're a psychic now. And I kind of went, oh, here we go. And uh, he says, you know, it, it runs in the male line in my family. Now, this is a scientist. He was a scientist all his life. You know, like a lot of my clients are very scientifically trained, but very open at the same time. He said that his, his father used, uh, used his psychic ability to play, um, to, to bet on horses. And his grandfather used it for the stock market. They used their psychic abilities for to choose horses and to choose stocks. And, uh, you know, this is somebody who um, I would never have pegged for somebody who would even have any clue what I was talking about, far less have that experience. It's funny, someone on the side of my in-laws, so not my bloodline, but other side of my in-laws, his, his father, 
um, used to also bet on horses and win big because he would have psychic dreams about the horses. <clears throat> Um, Damn, I don't know why my spirit guides won't give me dreams about horses. <laughs> a friend of mine, not that long ago, actually, a friend of mine said, oh, I'm going to Vegas, give me some numbers. And I was like, if it worked like that. <laughs> I know. You know, I've probably been doing there, things for years I ago. was told that there was some, a, a woman who turned up to uh, to receive her, her giant check from, uh, I think it was the California lottery. She turned up with a Ouija board under her arm because that's how she'd <laughs> found the numbers. Brilliant. Yeah, I, I haven't conned my spirit guides into doing that yet, but you know, it's, it's not too late. So Ainsley, you have, as well as the instruction, you also have a book called The Old Soul's Guidebook. Right. So I'm curious, you know, firstly, what is the process of creating and writing those books for you? Uh, oh, that's, well, that's interesting. The process has been pretty much the same each each time. I go through a feeling of like, oh God, I don't want to write a book. It's going to be too, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is going to take so much time. Uh, and and also, you know, what I had to do, write a lot of authors, I work with a lot of writers and they there are the same fears and they're all past life related. So you can, um, you can really shift out writer's blocks with this. Um, but the same fears show up uh, all all the time. There's a fear of inferiority, which comes from being treated as less than equal in a past life. And this is where people say, who am I to write a book? Who am I to think that I can add anything to the conversation? And the fear of rejection, what if people don't like me if I put this out into the world? Fear of self-expression, what if expressing myself comes back and and bites me. Um, so uh, judgment, you know, these things, they're, they're the same sort of things that come up. And I had to work through those to, to do the first book. Um, once I did that, it was like letting the hand break off. It was then much, much, it's much easier. Even things like, um, initially I had my spirit guide saying, you need to tell your story in the introduction. And I was kind of going, oh no, it's like, feels, that feels really uncomfortable. But I had to work through some issues around judgment and self-expression to be able to be comfortable enough to do that. And it was one of the best things I did because once the book came out, people were saying, oh, I love the fact that you're, you're not, I'm not coming from this ivory tower and I'm not an academic. My, all my knowledge is not from the books I've read, but it's from life experience. And people really uh, seem to respond to that. Um, so the, the, the process has been kind of the same, working through a little bit of, I did, I did the bulk of the past life work for the, before the first uh, book, and then a little bit as I, you know, I got to certain points with each of the, the other books. I work very much with the spirit guides. I mean, I don't, I, I don't put pen to paper or you know, s sit down and start typing without bringing in the spirit guides and asking for, for help. I always ask for the same things, and this is my secret tip to anyone who's doing anything creative. Ask your spirit guides every time you sit down or do or you do whatever. Um, ask them for ability, creativity, clarity, inspiration, and talent. And it, what I found is that that little request gets the spirit world engaged. And it uh, sometimes there'll be times when I'd be writing and it's not flowing. And I'd realize, oh yeah, I forgot to bring the spirit guides in. So, you know, it just becomes an automatic thing. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of even talking to you with, with, today without asking the spirit guides, hey, please give me ability, creativity, clarity, inspiration, and talent. And uh, they, they know what to do and enhance your experience. So um, 
yeah, when it comes to to the writing thing, um, uh, I I actually love I love 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 the the experience of actually writing. You know, so sitting down and being a writer. You know, the sort of thing where you you clear the desktop and you you got your notes and you you're, you're I mean that moment where you you to type the title of the book and your name and it's like oh this is I'm a proper author now. This is like great. I have my little ritual which helps. So like I. I bring in the spirit guides. I would normally light a candle. Um, I always have a cup of tea. Um, it's just like, you know, and what it's, kind a, it's of a happy... Ainsley, I have to ask you as a Brit, what kind of tea? Well, okay, it's the afternoon, so this is a, a bit embarrassing, but uh, decaf green tea, let's not talk about that. You're very but... well behaved, very well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, normally it would be, yes, a, a good, strong English breakfast tea would... Uh, right. Yeah, right. Um, and hot, not like the Americans with a cold tea. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> really? do, you, do you find it a struggle to get a good cup of tea in the states? Well, it's funny. I I, I think I was destined to end up in the states because I was always coffee. Like I I've never ah. been super interested in. I like herbal tea. Um, mm. My my but my my mom and my late dad um, could drink. Tetley tea. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Like they would probably drink 15 to 20 cups a day. Yeah. Like in, I had to encourage them to drink water about 20 years ago, and yeah. every now and then they will. Um, so yeah, no, I was never into the traditional tea, but I like Yorkshire and I like Earl Grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah good traditional stuff. Yeah, and, and none of the fancy stuff for me. It's like yeah, a good traditional black tea. It, it hits Very the good. spot. <laughs> yes. Well, and and I'm I'm also curious because you bring up talent and creativity, you know, one of the things that I like that you write about on your website is you say that you return to art after mm. a brief hiatus of 45 years. So yeah. um, your artwork is is beautiful. And so, yeah, oh, tell you. us a little bit about, about that return and, and why it came about and your process with that. Yeah, I, I, so I painted, um, I, I, was, I was always artistic. I was, I was drawing cartoons almost from the moment I was born. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, I remember being very tiny and uh, drawing cartoons. And then, um, excuse me, <clears throat> I went to art school, um, studied graphic design, but I painted for the first year there. I was, uh, so that was like I was 18, 19 years old. And uh, then I didn't paint again until, it was two years ago, I had uh, open heart surgery to, to repair uh, dodgy valve. And, you know, so I wasn't going to be able to do the regular work for a while. So I just got myself some canvases and some paints and uh, just decided that that was going to be my, my therapy. So I, and I didn't actually know if I'd still be able to paint or not. I really didn't know if I'd still have it. In my head, I could do it. And um, I think that often helps. If you can visualize something, then it makes it easier, I think, when you come to actually doing it, you know, if you're a musician, maybe you can, you know, play piano and you can visualize it and then see it, uh, then then be able to apply that. So similar sort of thing where I see myself doing it and then I started uh, painting. And it came back to me uh, pretty quickly. And um, then I started just working on some, I'd always wanted to do large canvases. I was an illustrator for years, cartoon illustrator, and a lot of detailed work. Um, uh, I look back on it and it's like, oh my God, so I have so little attention to detail. For some reason, I chose a career where drawing little people all the time. 
And when it came to the painting, I wonder, I really said, well, what do I want to do? Well, one thing is I don't want to be kind of working on tiny little miniatures and, you know, I, I have cataracts anyway, I need to get this fixed. So I just went big. I just um, got myself some six by five canvases and started um, painting portraits. I've always been interested in portrait painting. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't done it since I was 19, but um, I actually I remember having a conversation at the time about whether I could have a career as a portrait painter. Um, I think of myself as a figurative painter, not necessarily just a, a portrait painter. But uh, yeah, I just, um, right now, it's, uh, I, I'm just absolutely loving doing it. Um, I love my day job as well. You know, that's the the problem, you know, like I, I, I don't want I don't want to give up my, the, doing sessions, for example, is immensely rewarding. So I don't want to give that up to, to be a painter or anything. But, uh, you know, I just, I'm one of these people, I need 48 hours in every day. I mean, it's just, just, just yeah. not enough hours. I have to do triage, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about, yeah, I got this painting I'm working on, finishing up. I got my guitar here, I got my bass guitar. I got like, and then I th all these creative things I always want to do. Plus I, oh, I got a class to write and I've got a book to work on. And you know, it's like, um, the, I I have to be very careful about that because I can really I can end up uh, sort of dissipating the energy, not not focus you know the jack of all trades sort of thing. So right now these days I I do the psychic work and the and the painting more than. That's well, and I, I love that you bring up portrait painting because really that's what you're doing with your readings. You know you're. Yeah you're creating a, a portrait of someone with someone so they see themselves differently. And it's funny, one of the things you said to me, I couldn't wait to get home and tell my husband, Steve, because it made a lot of sense about one of my isms. You mm -hmm. said that um, I died in the snow on the side of a mountain because I was mm -hmm. uh, cross-country skiing. And um, I was so, I'd gone off piste and I was so tired. I knew I couldn't go up the mountain um, and I couldn't go down the mountain because I would have died. So you said I just kind of got down and, and slowly froze to death. And mm -hmm. you said people who've frozen to death often have issues with their extremities. Yeah. Um, and I said, yep, I often have like cold hands. And But I also, um, it made a lot of sense to me immediately when you said it to me. I said, oh, that's why I'm not good when I run out of energy. You know, I, oh, yes. When I run out of energy, there's <laughs> like a little part of me that's like, oh, I'm good for about an hour. And for about an hour, I can kind of enjoy it and go, it's okay, you need to rest. But yeah, it, it was it, great. I have found that consistently. The people who've, who've uh, sometimes it's they've been worked to death in a past life, uh, but wherever exhaustion is a factor, you'll find that people then when they get tired, instead of just kind of going, okay, I'm tired, I need to take a rest, they get upset. They get uh, weepy sometimes, you know. It's all an association with past life. Uh, the cold thing, again, I find that wherever hypothermia is associated with the death in the past life, people have uh, Raynaud's disease or they have cold extremities, cold back, cold feet, cold fingers. I find it all the time. Plus, the exciting thing with any of this work is the healing. Mm. Because it, really what you're doing is these things that we hold on to don't deserve to be there. You know, it's just the the biggest challenge the soul has is separating this life from the ones that have gone before. Because although you might be, this might be life 120 for you, for your soul, this is life number one, because it doesn't die between lives like the body and the conscious mind. Mm. 
So it holds on to these memories of past lives like we hold on to memories about things that have happened earlier in this life. And when you find a past life cause and you you you're what you're really doing is you talk by talking about it, you're reminding the soul that was then, this is now, let it go. And I see the most incredible healing um, all the time, you know, for uh, you know, typically, you know, where, where people say, Well, can you help me with this? Uh, yeah, you know, I've been to doctors and the doctors can't figure it out. That's usually the, when, the moment I hear that, doctors can't don't know what to make of it. That you you know it's a past life issue. It's these ghost memories, these things we hold in our body. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, migraines from head trauma, a car crash or something in a past life. Um, issues with your eyes from having blindness or cataracts in a past life. Um, jaw issues from being punched in the jaw. Uh, I mean, the, the whole you could go through the body. I mean, breathing issues, uh, childhood asthma often related to dying from pneumonia or TB in a past life, uh, uh, digestive issues from having been stabbed or shot in the abdomen, uh, rape and sexual violence tend to show up in the, uh, you know, in that area of the body, uh, cysts and uh, fibroids and that sort of thing. They're, they're usually the result of that. Now, it, I, you can head off, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to, prove this, but by, you know, getting somebody early enough and telling, you know, reminding them about what happened in the past life, you can, uh, you can head off problems that might show up. And if you already have the, the issue, it's amazing the amount of healing. I've had people literally blow through years of chronic issues, chronic pain as we speak. The moment the soul hears about it and goes, okay, and, and another wonderful thing is working with kids, even very, very young children. If you can tell them a bedtime story about something that happened in their past life and the soul gets it. It goes, oh, right, you know. So as long as you can get through to the, the soul, mm. um, even if the child is not conscious or, or, or doesn't really make, don't, don't know how to make much sense of it at that age, but the soul, soul will get it. So, you know, it, it's, like I say, it's such an untapped healing resource. Beautiful. People and are just getting used to. Well, if I were a doctor, you just passed your audition with flying colors, and I'd like to hire you to come and sit next to me <laughs> and work with me. But you're too busy. That's the thing. I, 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 I wanted to hire you as my, <laughs> my medical psychic intuitive. Um, you, you've got your hands full with everything that you're enjoying doing. So... Yeah, Ainsley, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so well, much. Well, it's, it's, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, and um, I, know that, I know that the viewers, the listeners are going to get a lot from it, but I would also just like to point out that for anyone who's listening and watching and wants to connect more with Ainsley, I've mentioned the books, The Instruction and The Old Soul's Guidebook. I know you have a long waiting list for your, your readings, but it's well worth getting on the waiting list if you would like a private reading. And then I know that you have something called Soul World Sunday. So yes. Before, before you go, you could just explain <clears throat> to us what that is. Yeah, Soul World Sunday is a, it's a, a little gathering that we do every Sunday at 12. Um, we have a roughly half hour long uh, broadcast. And this is where we get, uh, uh, I do this with my wife, Christine, and uh, it's it's a way of, it's a, a a service if you like for the spiritual, not so much uh, religious, um, for older souls to come together. And um, we got quite a 
you know, a very loving community going there. Um, and so we, we have different topics. The spirit guides will talk about, you know, a di different subject every week and, uh, you know, just their, their observations on stuff. We have a, you know, beautiful meditation. So I, I really, and it's free and I, I invite anyone who's interested in this and interested in what I do, um, to check it out. I mean, I have the Soul World membership uh, program. Uh, this is a kind of almost like a sort of light introduction. You know, it gives you a sort of taste of, you know, kind of stuff that we talk about in, in our membership program. Uh, the Soul World membership program is is it's a lot denser, a lot more, a lot more information. We have a whole theme of the month. We have a class. We have uh, a Q and A. We have. Uh, uh, past life regression, daily messages from the spirit guides, and a very active forum where you can meet kindred spirits and discuss things that you might not be able to discuss with your family or other people like we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, just check out um, Soul World Sunday or soulworld.com. Brilliant, brilliant. So we will put um, all links to Ainsley's work in the show notes. If you're watching this on video, it will be underneath the video. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it will be in the show notes. So Ainsley, again, thank you so much. A real pleasure to be with you today. Well, again, thank you. And tune in next time on Impact the World, and we hope you have a great week. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive, a channeler, a musician, and you may know me from my monthly free energy updates that go out on YouTube and Facebook. You may know me from the Impact the World podcast, but I wanted to introduce you to my members community, The Portal. We've been a community now for eight years and my mission and the mission of my team every single month is to bring you wellness content, metaphysical content, anything that's going to support your life as a sensitive, as a healer, as someone who is newly awakening, but also to ground it in reality. So every month we bring you various tools to help you survive, thrive, and expand your life. I know many of you are out there bringing your own special gift or light to the world. And the portal is a hub that we hold along with our community members to support you on your mission. Every month I do a live energy tune-up broadcast. It's 90 minutes long. It allows me to go deeper on some of the energies that month and how they are affecting our specific portal community. I also take Q&A. I answer questions from my intuitive standpoint, and I also answer questions from my guides, the Zs, who I channel. These live tune-ups are always available within 24 hours. So if you can't make it live, you will always have the replay to go back and watch again, or to use the timestamps to visit a specific question that you heard that you wanted to replay the answer for. Every month, we will bring you a brand new audio recording. I often keep our community at the top of my mind when I'm creating a new channeled MP3 or a new energy alchemy meditation. And these are always scored and supported by the music of sound healer, Davor Bozik. I also do several private behind the scenes video diaries. Sometimes these are what we're creating and what's going on here at the studio, but other times it might just be me at home talking about things that I'm noticing, really designed to give you and I an intimate conversation that I wouldn't otherwise put out there into the wider world. 
Stephen Washington brings you a special body energy update every single month. So Stephen is my husband and he is also an amazing Qigong and wellness teacher. So I asked him several years ago to start creating some body medicine for us. So he takes the themes of that month's energy update and he expands upon them and gives you a sequence of Qigong movements that are very gentle and easy for beginners, but it's a way of alchemizing what we're going through and he does it beautifully. So many of our members love that component. Stephen also has many meditations inside the portal, which you can access anytime, and we are expanding our meditation library as these months go on. You receive a welcome bonus of the Intuitive Power live event. So if you've never seen a live event of ours, we had an incredible film crew document our London Intuitive Power event in 2019 and you'll get all five hours of that content as soon as you sign up. And finally, we curate special monthly Spotify playlists, two different kinds, music to move you, so things that are a little more dancey, and music to soothe you, things that are designed to help your nervous system calm. We love introducing you to new music, and this is curated by our whole team. The Classics Library is another important cornerstone of the portal. It gives us an opportunity to bring you eight different MP3 recordings from my vast library, but we curate them as to the titles that might be perfect for you at this time. So if you want some extra audio, you can go into the Classics Library and pick a topic that suits you. Alongside several discounts to Portal members, our favorite thing is the energy of our community. So we have a private forum only available to members where you can share with each other, discuss, and learn from each other. So the portal really is a world unto itself and it will keep expanding as the years go on, but there are some of our members who love every single aspect of the portal and there are some who are there just for two or three things. So if you want to try it out for a month and see if it's for you, you can do that because membership is available to cancel anytime and we look forward to welcoming you in the portal if you choose to experience what it is that we are curating and creating for you here.